Good morning on this snowy, well, snowy on the East Coast anyway, edition of Secrets of the Sire. Uh, we are on TalkingAlternative.com. You can stream us live um, via the website. You can also jump on Periscope as well, found on at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L underscore Dolce. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my Periscope peeps. So if any Periscope peeps want to be named, now is the time to say something, say hello. Um, you can always um, live stream us. There's so many different ways to catch our show, and uh, we are always excited uh, to have people. Um, I know Saints Girl something, something, something was before. I want to give a shout out to her. She was chatting with us previous. Um, if you do jump onto Periscope, uh, we usually start a good 10 minutes early just to kind of get ourselves warmed up and make sure there's no technical difficulties. So uh, we invite you to join us there. There's a live call-in uh, hotline. It's 877-480-4120. And we, again, are broadcasting live, talkingalternative.com, every Friday at 11 a.m. So a little bit of snow, but uh, that actually kind of pumped me up for today. We have an incredible guest today. Um, he'll be jumping on a little bit, uh, a little bit later. His name is Mike Martz. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He uh, previously worked at um, what do you call? He previously worked at both Marvel and DC as executive editor. So he was the editor of the X Men books. He was the executive editor of the Batman books. So he's going to come on and give us a little insight into um, you know what is going, what it's like to work in the comic book industry, um, what it's like to be an editor at the big two, and then what it's like to take the leap. And get into something completely brand new, which is his new company, Aftershock Comics, uh, where he's one of the key figures there. So um, you can definitely check us out. Um, again, TalkingAlternative.com uh, for all my Periscope peeps who are wondering. So um, anyway, talking about the comic book industry and the big question I had in my blog today on SecretsOfTheSire.com was, would you rather work for the big two or would you rather start the next big thing IndieWise. And and it's funny because when I first kind of asked the question, um, we have a poll going on my Twitter page right now, at Michael underscore Dolce, D-O-L-C-E. Um, I kind of figured it'd be one-sided in a way, right? It's like, hey, Indie Comics, that's, you know, I'd love to have my own creation. I'd love to, uh, you know, just be doing what I want to do. Like, who wouldn't want that? Um, so I kind of tailored it, said, okay, you're not as successful doing your indie stuff as you are for your Marvel and DC stuff. So that means you are writing for Spider-Man, writing for DC Comics, writing Batman, or writing your favorite character. Um, but he's not your character. He's a character you grew up loving. He's a character you grew up, um, you know, just excited to read. Um, Spider-Man was always my favorite. Um, although, again, big X-Men guy as well, too. We're talking the Chris Claremont, Jim Lee days, uh, you know, right around uh, Extinction Agenda, um, 1989, 1993. I mean, those are just the glory years for the X-Men books. Um, and we wanted to kind of tailor it a little bit so you're not as successful doing an indie book. We're, we're talking uh, you're just consistent. Uh, you're Dave Sim. You're doing Cerebus for 20, 30 years. You're known as the Cerebus guy. Um, Eric Larson, you're known as the Savage Dragon guy, although, again, he kind of achieved success at Spider-Man, uh, drawing Spider-Man as well, but, I mean, when you think of Eric Larson, you think Savage Dragon. So, again, which kind of route would you want to go? Um, would you want to do the indie success versus the, um, you know, big two and working on someone else's creations? Um, for me, 
I tell a story. Um, it goes back to my Wizard days. Wizard Magazine was a tremendous um, popular magazine uh, in the uh, 90s and in the 2000s. Um, I worked there from 2002 to 2006. Um, met some amazing people. Um, I worked in both the creative department and the convention department, so I got a taste of both the creative and the professional. Got to go to conventions, got to meet some of my best friends uh, to this day, actually, um, doing things through Wizard. And I'm actually forever grateful to Wizard because they helped promote my indie comic, The Sire, which, oh, The Sire, what's that? It's very similar to the title of our show. How about that? Um, So I got to kind of experience... Working in the industry, but also um, working on my own indie project. And I got to say, it was kind of, it was it was like living in a glass box. And what I mean by that was when I was working at Wizard, I got to interview some of the biggest industry talents out there. I uh, got to be friends with a lot of them. Um, got to just... Uh, kind of live in this comic book world. Every every day I'd wake up, it was you know a stack of books. I could you know free reading. Um, you 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 used to get the Marvel books, DC, the Image books. It didn't matter. We all we had them. So I got to read, and that's part of my job. Um, got to report, and that was part of my job. Um, I was the website editor um, for the main magazine for two years, and then I moved over to just doing the convention side of things, which started exploding. Um, and at the end of the day, around 2005. I remember having a conversation at Wizard World Texas with someone who basically said, you know, well, what do you want to be doing? And I said, well, I want to be making comics. And she kind of, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but so the main message was, well, this must be kind of painful for you then. And I said, yeah, because I'm watching and I'm talking to all these people doing what I want to be doing. My first um, foray into comics was a small little indie called Crossfire, which ended up becoming The Sire um, six years later. And it was through this conversation where she said, you know, uh, are you going to quit? Are you going to give up? And I said, no, I'm going to keep going. And I did. Um, and The Sire met with some uh, critical acclaim from 2006, 2008. The book is still, you know, ongoing whenever I can get around to doing it. Um, it's still one of my first loves, but that brought me to the topic today, which again, would you rather be writing for Spider-Man or would you rather be consistently working on your own creation? And we got a lot of interesting things. First thing, we got a poll on my Twitter account. It's actually still going on, mainly because of my uh, technical uh inequities here and uh it's a nine hours left on the poll that's okay but we'll give you the up-to-date right now it's 71 percent indie all the way 29 percent marvel dc career and i thought well that's kind of obvious yeah who wouldn't want to just be working on their own stuff i would think it's almost 100 percent right um but then i posed it on my um on my facebook page and it's actually on my personal page, which uh, is talking to Sam, my engineer, and how I'm, I need to get these onto the actual Secrets of the Sire page so you guys can really, truly interact. But got some really interesting comments. The, the first comment we got um, from Ron Carroll was, wildly successful, go big or go home. And the general tone was, wildly successful allows you to go indie creator-owned with Image or IDW or whoever. And it's really true, right? I mean, you basically get to do whatever you want when you become successful enough. If I'm writing Spider-Man and you know me as Brian Michael Bendis, then I, as Brian Michael Bendis, can go on and do my Jinx and I can do my, um, you know, my indie books, my Sam and Twitch at Image. We can do all those kind of um, 
stories and I have free reign and yeah, it's huge. However, the last I checked, Brian Michael Bendis really has only been writing Marvel books now. He hasn't really been branching out. I think he's been kept so busy. And that's the kind of wildly successful I'm talking about. Um, I think um, I think there are definitely some, some creators out there that kind of do dabble in both worlds. I think Nick Spencer is actually a good example of somebody who started out at, um, at Image and made a name for himself in the indie world and then made the jump to Marvel and DC. Um, Dave Ryan actually commented, I've never had much desire to work for Marvel or DC, and I've had plenty of chances. I've always wanted to do my own books and always will, but I think all this is a very personal choice. Obviously, definitely a personal choice, and that's why we're kind of asking it. It's uh, food for thought. It's food chatter uh, for the brain. And um, Dave actually is an indie creator. Um, he worked on War of the Independence, where the sire was a part. Um, that was a few years ago. It was a great uh, great experience to see all these indie creations out there. There's so many. Um, Omar Morales um, does the Crusader. Uh, I did the colors on the book, but uh, the book is is completely him. And he, you know, same thing. Seeing all these guys doing out, going out there and doing these indie creations is just is just fantastic. Um, Hassan Godwin, working for someone else will never make you an independent anything. It's important to have experience and to learn respect and humility but you should always focus the apex of your talents to your own visions and and they're in really that's the that's the um that's the crux of the of the question right that's the that's really what i was trying to get to what's your passion you know for some your passion is is working you know on someone else's creations like truly working on someone's creations like i actually wonder you know if brian michael bendis didn't love what he was doing he wouldn't be doing he has that clout to go and do you know go back to the indie world and put out his own books i mean he could do whatever he wants robert kirkman obviously does um he had some stint at marvel but now walking dead is such a huge phenomenon and uh, his new project at cinemax is going to be big um you know he chooses to do his own thing so that's kind of what i was really asking and that's kind of really what i'm really curious to hear from uh, from you guys about um Brian Michael on Facebook. It's a tough call, but probably the second option. Having a wildly successful career could put you on the map, and you could really make the networking and connections benefit you for life. However, the second option, you're still successful. You're creating and pushing something that is original and up and coming. Plus, who knows who you will inspire with a different work from the norm. David S. Rosenberg, a tremendous cartoonist also. Independent and moderately successful. It's fine by me. Being able to work on my own terms is far more appealing than a big company structure. And that's actually a great point because as an entrepreneur, I actually always have trouble saying that word, but I, I think I actually pulled that off pretty good. Um, as an entrepreneur, it's always the mindset that they want to control their own time. Um, I myself am an entrepreneur, and that's exactly why. I want to be able to dictate everything I want to do, and, and, it, and it leads to this fascinating life. Of course, I'd love to work on a Marvel book. Of course, I'd love to work on a DC book. Uh, well, more, more Marvel than DC. I'm a Marvel guy. so. But I also want to control my own time. And, and you know what? That's a good thing and a bad thing, because sometimes when I control my own time, I don't get things done. Um, when I have the pressure of a deadline or the pressure of somebody else working over me, um, you know, that's when, that's when things really come into focus. So, like I said, we're live on Periscope. I can give my uh, Periscope peeps some love who are on here right now. If they want to chime in and say something, say hello. Well, we got some likes, but uh, say something, comment, say hello. I know we have Russia. We have Brazil. 
Um, we have Jersey. Okay, we have Bella Tadario two three one one two saying hello. Um, but again, we have different uh, countries tuning in as well. And you guys are all tuning in at, at a great time, great moment. We have a fantastic guest coming up next. Uh, his name is Mike Martz. He was, the again, the executive editor at um, Marvel and executive editor at DC. He worked on the uh, Batman books. He worked on the uh, DC, um, you know, he worked as executive editor for DC. Hello from Charlotte. And yes, I am near the crane. Periscope peeps, I love you. Um, he worked at Marvel. He actually then jumped ship and went to a new comic book company called Aftershock Comics. So he's going to provide us with some insight, what it's like to work in the Marvel and DC world. What it's the, I really love, I want to get into deep with the creative process, um, working with writers, working with artists, working with editors, uh, you know, that I can't wait to, to really dive into. And then what, you know, made him want to take away the stability and kind of kind of branch off into this new company that you never know. I mean, it could it could be the next image, um, or it could be uh, the next uh, cross gen for all we know. Um, and that's the risk. So, Mike Martz coming up next. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century, Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. Secrets of the Sire Radio Hour, talking pop culture, music, movies, TV, and today especially comic books. And um, one of the cool things that I get to do is, uh, is have on some great comic book related guests, even though they are all my friends because I've been working in the industry for a long time and it's a, it's a cool thing. So I want to welcome my guest today. His name is Mike Martz. He was the executive editor of the X-Men books over at Marvel, the Batman books over at DC, and now he is currently... Um, I guess in the sim- same role, executive editor or um, some higher, cooler position t- tag title on his business <laughs> card uh, at Aftershock Comics. Mike, how's it going? Good, Mike. How are you? And uh, hello to everybody. Yeah, well, we are streaming uh, across the country. Uh, we got Tokyo. We got France. We got, uh, oh, sorry, the world. The world. Sam's. Uh, you the know, world. The world. Sorry. Sam's like, the world. He's, he's like signaling me and dancing and saying the world. So, um, so yeah. And we're also streaming live on Periscope as well. So we got, uh, we got a, a full audience for you, Mike. So no pressure. 
Excellent, excellent. Um, I'm happy to be here talking to you. Cool, man. All right, so first thing I want to get into is uh, your background. Um, talk to me about how you got into this uh, crazy business known as comics and um, you know what led you to this path. Uh, you know, I started off a lot like, like most of us in the industry. I grew up uh, just a diehard comic book fan. Um, you know, I was mostly a, a Marvel kid growing up. Uh, the one exception was Batman. So, you know, what's what's funny is that, and I guess a little serendipitous, is that, you know, it, throughout my entire childhood, the the two, I guess, characters or comics that were most important to me were the X-Men and, and Batman. <laughs> you, um, you nailed them both right there. And, Look at um, that. <laughs> you know, I, after that, my, my collection grew and my interest in comics grew. And at the same time, I was always interested in telling stories and you know, as I got into my teens and I realized that I might want to try my hand at writing, I I, I made my goal um, to become the writer of the X-Men. So mm-hmm. not that I wanted to kick my hero, Chris Claremont, out of his, <laughs> you know, the seat he had held for so long, but I just loved what he did. And, and to me, that's exactly what I wanted to do. So I you know, started learning about writing and learning about writing comics, which was actually kind of difficult back then. Uh, there mm-hmm. wasn't much information. Um, and as I, as I got into college, I, I, I kept at that and worked at a comic book store to try to, you know, get more knowledge. And, wow, and so you, you uh, really, college, you really hit the ground started, then. You really hit the ground then. I mean, like gorilla, <laughs> gorilla learning techniques uh, yeah exactly i just picked up any any little tidbits i could here and there uh you know whether it was articles in comics journal or comic shop news or or comics buyer's guide whatever i could get i would i would just absorb um as i got into college i i started studying journalism and editing so in addition to writing i kind of had this whole other area uh related to writing that i became interested in and at about this time, I was submitting story ideas to Marvel. I, I had this goal of submitting one story idea a week. And mm-hmm. so each week I'd come up with a new story pitch. It was Silver Surfer or the Inhumans or Spider-Man or Captain America. And I would send it in. And then I would get these polite rejection letters saying, hey, thanks for your idea, but we already have a bunch of ideas. So <laughs> try again. Um but I, I kept at it. I was determined. I, I you know, I wanted to, uh, to keep at it. And eventually, um, a friend of mine who worked in the comic book industry, uh, Mark McKenna, who we all know, uh, Mark, is a long, we love longtime Mark. anchor. Yeah, uh, you know him, Mike. Yeah, Mark is fantastic. Um, and uh, he was actually a customer customer at my comic book store. And um, he said to me two things. He said, first of all. I can bring your stories up to Marvel and get you actual feedback from actual editors. Wow. And I was like, wow, okay, that's fantastic. <laughs> and so he volunteered to do this just out of the kindness of his heart. And mm-hmm. he brought some of my story ideas up there. And um, a guy by the name of Fabian Nicieza, who yep. everybody should know. Um, Talk to Fabian last writer, week. Big writer, big editor. Yeah. Um, Fabe actually gave real feedback and critique to one of my stories. And for, I'm going to interject was, for two seconds for, for all the listeners out there. And this was a real, this was me connecting with real comic book professionals and getting actual feedback about something I had written. Mm-hmm. And seeing Fabian go through those 
just a few motions back then as an editor really inspired me to think about the whole editorial process and the whole technique of of editing for comic books. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that combined with the journalism that I was studying and the editing I was studying um, kind of moved me to that next step. And that was that was the second thing that Mark McKenna said to me. He said, you know, there's internships up at Marvel Comics. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to try out for one. And, and, you know, I thought it was like trying out for the Yankees. And, you know, maybe it was. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I would never, ever, ever get it. And then one day at the comic book store, the phone rang, and it was Marvel Comics, and they were asking, when could I start? Wow. So I, uh, I started an editorial <laughs> internship there in 1993, which was um, in between my junior and senior year of college. Okay. And uh, at the end of the summer, my, my first internship ended, and I somehow talked pleaded and begged my way into a second internship for the fall semester. <laughs> um, and I remember at the time, the uh, the woman who was in charge of the interns, her name was Mary McFerrin. Mm -hmm. And she was also the assistant to Tom DeFalco, the editor-in-chief at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, and to me, you know, Tom was this big, you know, intimidating presence. And she said to me, Tom doesn't like repeat interns. Familiarity breeds contempt. And I was like, oh, man, what am I doing? <laughs> um but but somehow my boss at the time, uh, this editor by the name of Nell Yamtov, who really became my my mentor, he pushed for me to uh, to get that second internship. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, as the saying goes, I, I never left. Um, you know, I uh, actually started my assistant editor job there while I was still in college mm -hmm. um, in my senior year. Uh, which is a whole nother radio segment <laughs> itself. Uh, but uh, that's that's basically how I broke into the business. That's awesome. F uh, for all the listeners out there, Fabian Nicieza was also the writer of Deadpool. Deadpool is coming out, uh, I believe it's this weekend, right? Uh, it next yeah, weekend. Uh, it's next yeah, weekend. Yeah, next weekend. So we had a big talk on that as well, too. So uh, that's uh, very cool that you're one of your first earliest in, uh, you know, interactions with people in the comic book world is uh, Fabian, uh, who, um, you know, is a tremendous writer. Um, so from there, what, you know, you got the internships. Did you you did time at Wizard, too, or no? Am I am I off on that? No, I did. I, I, I actually uh, I've, I've had a few different stints at various places in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um my you know my first job was as an assistant editor at Marvel. I, I did that for about three years, um, and worked on like Iron Man. Or uh oh, uh oh, connection's getting a little fuzzy now. Like a whole bunch of uh, there we go, a whole bunch of titles, and uh, and you know and then um, you know Marvel was going through some tough times and uh, they had some editorial layoffs and mm -hmm. I saw some friends get fired and let go. It was a really, it was kind of a sad time for, you know, for what anyone, but uh, you know, what year is that? Uh, if you can give us a, uh, that would have been 1996. That was after the, after the crash. Then. Yeah. That was after some, the crash, right? The, uh, the big marketing layoffs. Oh yeah. 
That's the big crash that happened uh, in comic books for anybody joining in. Um, comic books were, were hugely successful in the early 90s. We're talking Death of Superman. We're talking, um, you know, the X-Men books were flying off the shelves. X-Force sold like 4 million copies. X-Men number one sold like 5 million. Spider-Man number one. Um, and then it was a speculator market, though. People invested in it. And all of a sudden when they realized that uh, they can't necessarily fund their kids' college education because supply and demand uh, dictates that rarity creates value, not flooding the market. Um, speculators ran, and the comic book market itself uh, took a big hit back then. So I just want to give some background to our listeners um, so that kind of coincides with it. So continue. Yeah, it was it was a very scary time, especially for you know someone young and in their 20s and who's just starting off in this industry that you know see, the industry seemed like such a... Uh, a juggernaut before, and then suddenly it was so weak, and everything was changing in the matter of like a year. Um, so, you know, I, I saw I saw a bunch of you know friends and people I respected, you know, get laid off from Marvel. People that had worked there ten, twenty years, and to me, you know, things were changing. And I I had a few credits left of college to complete, so mm -hmm. I said, this is a good time for me to go back and finish my degree. Um, so I did that and, you know, that only took a few months and, you know, my desire was just to get back into the comic book industry. Yeah. And, um, you know, Marvel was kind of full at the time. And so I, I wasn't able to go back and, um, I interviewed at DC comics for probably half a dozen assistant editor jobs with Dan Raspler, Dan Thorslin, Mike Carlin, Casey Carlson, Stuart Moore, mm -hmm. a whole bunch of people. And, um, I eventually ended up interviewing in the publicity marketing department and um, a great woman there, Patty Jarris, um, she she thought I was a good candidate, but there was someone else in-house that um, she gave the job that I was interviewing for to. Mm -hmm. uh, but she said, hey, um, I know this guy at Wizard, Jim McLaughlin, and he's looking to hire somebody, and I think you'd be <laughs> great. So she recommended me to Wizard <clears throat> and to Jim McLaughlin, and I, I went up there and interviewed, and I became their publicity and promotions manager. Jim, now, uh, Jim what a character. In, in hindsight, 20 years later, I can definitely look back and say, well, guess who wasn't good at promotions and publicity? <laughs> Mike Marks. So <laughs> my, my stay at Wizard was pretty brief, and uh, it was a great learning experience. It was a great time for me to network and, and make friends and make contacts. Um, but... Uh, my time there was pretty short, about nine months, and uh, coincidentally and fortunately, Fabian ECAs had reached out to me um, about an edit editorial job at Acclaim Comics. Okay, which was Valiant uh, previously. Okay. Yeah. And um, from there, I know you, uh, you also <laughs> did stints, so I know you did Acclaim, and then you eventually got into Marvel, you started doing the X-Men books. <laughs> We have about uh, we have about three minutes before we have to wrap up this segment, and about two minutes. So let me dive into your time at Marvel. What is the creative process like um, for those who have no idea how a comic book company works behind the scenes? In terms of uh, working with the writer, you know, do the, how does it, how does it work? Does it come from the editorial meeting first, and then work into the writer, um, and then the writer produces a script? Like how does you know how does it get to the artist? Uh, give us a, a brief um, minute. Uh, recap of the process, if you can. Every booking company works a little different, but for the most part, you're working with the writer to develop an ongoing storyline, something that would uh, you could equate to a TV season, 
Um, so you're working with them to develop issues and story beats and storylines and, and character arcs. Um, from there, the writer generates a script, which is usually about 20 or 22 pages. Mm-hmm. That goes off to the artist. Uh, the artist will then spend time penciling um, the the book. And, and then after that, there's the tail, tail end stages of production with coloring and lettering and, and design and everything like that. Very cool. All right, we are going to go to break. When we come back, though, I want to know all about Aftershock Comics, uh, starting with the question, you know, what made you leave a secure job at Marvel to want to start something new? So um, thank you to all listening. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you on a path of consciousness or spirit? Is personal or spiritual empowerment important to you? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant, and I am here to answer your questions and bring you experts in all areas of life to raise your awareness and support you in your evolution. Tune in at my new time, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on www.talkradio.nyc. That's Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Editor Mike Martz um, worked at Marvel in D.C. for a number, a number of years and has now jumped over to Aftershock Comics. A real quick note to all the Periscope peeps, go to, peeps, go to TalkingAlternative.com to listen to Mike as we are uh, live streaming this. So, Mike, uh, we ended the last segment with the question, what makes someone jump from the security of a Marvel or a D.C. to want to jump into something new? And you've done just that in the past year, uh, helping to kind of found... Um, at least creatively and editorially, Aftershock Comics. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that decision and, and what's going on with Aftershock? Well, the decision to jump to Aftershock, um, you know, it, it, it was one which just felt like the right thing to do uh, at the time. You know, for me, I, I felt lucky that I was able to contribute to the stories of Marvel and DC for so long. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I'm... I'm never satisfied if if I'm not if I don't have a challenge in front of me if I don't have some element of risk in front of me. So there's been this burning desire of mine to start something of my own, to start a company, to form something, to build something for such a long time. And my my partners at AfterShock came along at the right time and and talked to me about you know their dreams and their visions for building this company. It was very much in line with. Um, you know my my own personal thoughts about building a company that I'd had for so long, and they just seemed like the, the perfect guys to get into business with. 
Um, so for me, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's, it's a, it was a no-brain decision, a no-brainer decision, but it was certainly a very easy decision for me, one that felt great. And uh, what are what's the what's the mission statement for uh, Aftershock? By the way, actually, Aftershock Comics—that's a terrific name for a comic book company, and uh, I definitely think that's uh, one that will go a long way. There's a, a funny uh, story about that. Actually, is the fact that uh, the Sire, my creator-owned book, uh, was published through After Hours Press, and After Hours Press had a little uh, indie superhero label which was Aftershock Comics. So when Mike actually was in the process of, fi- uh, was in the process of starting this company with his partners, um, they actually reached out to me because it turned out that I, my name was all over Aftershock Comics, of all things. So, um, Mike, Mike messaged me on Facebook, um, are you Aftershock Comics still? And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so Yeah, that was a, a funny discovery uh, for us. And you know, it, it's what, what's what's funny is that the the name of the company came about right before I I signed on board, and uh, you know who knows what the company would have been named if I had, if uh, it had been named later and. <laughs> Oh so. boy, that was funny. Yeah, no, that was a that was a um, a, a, a very uh, what is it, destiny um, of coming coming together. But um, yeah. yeah, give us uh, give us what aftershock uh, is all about. Are you guys trying to be the next image? Are you guys doing something we're totally not. different? No, no, we're not. We're looking to be the first aftershock. Um, we uh, we are a creator owned company at this point in time. So everything that we do. Uh, we have relationships with creators to help bring their best visions to fruition and to, to see it on the printed page. Um, and, you know, for, for your listeners who maybe don't know what that means, um, you know, a, a book that's produced by Marvel or DC is 100% owned by Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. Whereas a creator-owned thing, there's a relationship between the publisher and the creator where the creator, um, you know, retains... Uh, if not all rights, then most of the rights to the character and property, so that you know, in the case that something does become the next Walking Dead, mm-hmm. um, you know, the creator has control of the thing that they created, which is which is a great uh, a great um, way for artists and writers to to thrive. Um, at Aftershock, uh, we are concerned about quality. We want nothing but the best stories. You know, the story has to be unique. It's got to be something that hasn't been done before. It has to be captivating. It has to be something that we would want to read ourselves. So the story comes first. Uh, and the quality of the the creators uh, is something which is extremely important to us as well. If you if you look at our, our lineup right now, we've got a great mix of established, you know, veteran professionals who are still at the top of their game um, with a mix of, of new talent um, whose, you know, stock is rising daily. Um, you know, Garth Ennis, Brian Azzarello, Mark Wade, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, you know, the list goes on. Um, so we've got a great arsenal of people um, who have decided to bring their projects to us, and, and we're really honored that they, they chose to do that. Well, that's interesting you said that, too. I was actually, that was my next question. How, are you guys actively seeking these creators? Are you are you seeing their projects somewhere? I mean, obviously, these are household names, Brian Azzarello, Amanda Connor. I mean, these are uh, in the comic book industry, everyone knows uh, who these guys are. So, are you guys the ones kind of reaching out to them, or are you, or are they kind of like reaching out to you? How's how's the process of uh, of getting that that book to to fruition? You know, it's it's been a mix. Um, you know, some people have have come to us, um, you know, with 
myself and Joe Pruitt, we, you know, the two of us have been in the industry, you know, 25 years each. So you know, we've got a long list of people that we worked with. So, you know, some of the creators had comfortable relationships with us in the past and wanted to keep doing work with us. Mm-hmm. Um, other people we targeted, you know, we, we tried to recruit and we said, you know, we want to be in business with her or him. And we went out and talked to them and uh, told them about the company and what type of family we were building. And, um, and they were interested and they were excited. So they came on board. And then there's a whole other wave of people, which you know, I guess you would call, you know, the Pied Piper effect where, yeah. you know, a creator is working with us and they turn to their buddy who's a creator and say, hey, you know what? I'm having a great time at Aftershock. You should give them a try too. So it's been a, uh, a combination of different ways how creators have come in to start working with us. That's great. Um, give us a quick rundown, um, 30 seconds, the books you have coming and where they're going to be available. Everything is available in comic book stores, and everything is now available on Comixology for digital release. Okay. Um, we had four titles launch in December, uh, Replica by Paul Jenkins, uh, Insects by Marguerite Bennett, Garth Ennis's Dreamy Eagles, and then Super Zero by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. Uh, just uh, in January, we launched American Monster by Brian Azzarello mm-hmm. and Strayer by Justin Jordan. And then next week, David Hine is launching Second Sight with us. So we have seven titles as of next week, and we have three more coming to the mix in April, uh, three number ones that will be available for $1.99 in the stores. Great. It's good, uh, good, good price point to jump on new readers there. Um, exactly. Quick, so quick question is you'd, you'd mentioned this before when we were kind of talking about your background um your initial uh, idea was to write um do you as an editor now you're i mean you're known as an editor is there is there any kind of uh, inclination to say you know i still want to write my own comics or or are you uh kind of you know kind of nestled into that position where you like to work with the other creators and bring their you know creation to fruition uh, you know it's funny i always consider myself a writer first um but that being said my Creative itch uh, definitely gets satisfied by the work that I do as an editor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I've, I've been able to contribute much more to the industry as an editor, um, coach, coaching writers and coaching artists and bringing teams together and putting books together. Um, so, you know, maybe down the road I would get back to that and, and try my hand at it again. But, you know, for right now this is, this is where I'm needed, and, and uh, I'm happy being editor-in-chief for Aftershock. Okay, that's great. We're going to go into some quick hits. Um, I want to get your opinion on some issues that we've either talked about on the show or that are going on. Um, the diversity issue in entertainment today. Um, what is your what is your your feedback or what is your take on um, the Oscars so white and the Oscars um, you know thing that's going on with diversity? It's interesting. Um, you know, I, I've been following it and. You know, I, I think that, you know, anyone that, um, you yeah, know, has been talking about it, um, you know, certainly has something important to say. Um, you know, there's so many great performances, so many good actors, that it's always difficult in my mind to boil it down where you could say, well, these are definitely the best five, or these are definitely the best ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I always come at it where I'm thinking, like, I'm not maybe overly concerned about uh, where someone's coming from, but how well they did. Um, 
so I don't know. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the whole thing uh, plays out. Um, it, it's a shame that stuff gets disrupted, but if this means change and this means better stuff for the future, then hey, that's great. Very nice. Um, Deadpool movie. My uh, my take on it uh, last week, which uh, you know, ruffled a few feathers with some fans, was that it's it's actually going to flop. I think it's going to flop, and I and I don't want it to. I love the character. Um, I just think it's so niche, and it's so like cult that the cult is is what's going to actually cause it to not to not really break out and i'm hoping i'm wrong but what do you think what do you think about the deadpool movie i actually think it's going to take off i i think that you know this has the potential to do what gardens of the galaxy uh did two years ago not quite to that level but i think that this could be a breakout movie um you know we're most of the viewers going to it probably don't even know that it's a comic book character but yeah I think the appeal of the character, the humor, you know, Ryan Reynolds, um, the edginess of it, I think those are all things that are that that can help contribute to this being a success. Um, I don't know what type of competition it's going up against, but you know, this is usually a slower time of year for movies, so you know, who knows? It, it could be it could be something really big. I'm rooting for Ryan Reynolds. I got to interview him um, it, for Blade Trinity um, about ten years ago, and the, the man is genuinely great. And and I'm really, really hoping that I am wrong. I, I would like to see this be his big uh, comic book breakout. Comic book movies. Um, Superman, Batman. What do you think? Of, what do you? Th- what's your thoughts on that? I I'm a little. I don't know. I I'm a little nervous. Um, you know, my fear is they may be trying to do too much in one movie. Um, that being said, I think Henry Cavill is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a little nervous about Ben Affleck as Batman. Uh, I got so used to seeing Christian Bale, and I thought Christian Bale was such a good Batman that, um, mm-hmm. you know, this is a little jarring for me. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. It's funny, Sam, my engineer, shook shook his head in agreement as soon as you said Ben, ben Affleck is Batman because he had wanted to say he had actually asked me that last week, and I, I actually said, you know, he he's he's rejuvenated his uh, reputation where where yeah. fans can actually say, you know what, I, I'm going to give him a shot as Batman. Whereas if this was you know ten years ago, Daredevil esque or Geely esque uh, era, we, we would all be you know throwing things at whatever we movie screens, TV, whatever, absolutely, whatever it comes totally down agree. to. Totally agree. Um, so I want to thank you for coming on first. Um, I do appreciate it. Um, we actually go back to our playing football days, the wizard Marvel, uh, football. Um, we have to get that going again, although we're all a lot older now and we, yeah, hurt, we're older. Mike. <laughs> we hurt a lot more. Uh, I actually was just yeah. walking up the stairs to the studio after playing basketball last night and wondering <laughs> why I keep doing that. Um, for anybody who's interested in aftershock comics, go to aftershock.world. Um, check out all their great books. Again, you can get it in comic book stores or on Comixology. Um, Mike, we have a minute left. Give me one more, um, you know, repeat rundown of where you know what books are out there and what where folks can get it. So you, you can go to your local comic book store. Uh, if they are not ordering our comics yet, please encourage them to do so. Everything's available through Diamond, uh, and at this point, all of our titles are available on Comixology for digital download and the first month or so of comics are available at a discounted price right now. Uh, and you'll find Replica, Super Zero, Dreaming Eagles, Insects, Second Sight, American Monster, and Strayer. Mike Martz, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, we'll have to do this again uh, sometime soon. Um, 
Because this has been a, a lot of fun, and uh, it's great to reach a uh, global audience. As my engineer Sam makes sure that I I drill that in everyone's head that we are we are being uh, listened to um, across the world. So, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. And uh, when we return, and get some more feedback, some more comments on that, and uh, my Periscope peeps can start chiming in as well too. Secrets of the Sire. Thank you. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. I want to thank my guest once again, Mike Martz. I want to thank all my Periscope peeps. Oli Sinha from Russia. Hello, Russia. Um, we have some folks on from Brazil. We have my wife from New York as well. Uh, she's a loyal fan, which is great. Um, you know, Mike touched on some interesting things too. And, and um, Mike actually had called me up for an interview a long time ago. Um, I had, was working at Wizard Magazine. And he said, hey, we have a potential assistant editor job. And I had just gotten promoted to web editor. And it's funny, he mentioned the fact that, you know, he, he started wanting to write comics and ended up becoming an editor instead. And I remember that racing through my head. I don't want to be an editor because if I'm an editor, then I'm only an editor. And people will always know me as an editor and not a writer. And uh, I ended up turning that down. Uh, originally, and I said, and to this day, I always wonder. I don't regret because I love all the creations I've done since then. Um, but I do kind of always wonder. Huh, I wonder if I'd have just taken that interview, and you know, maybe maybe I would have ended up with the, the, a job at Marvel. And uh, there's guys like Dan Slott, um, Joe Casada. Although I guess Casada was more of an artist, but he's actually doing the reverse uh, route to get in there. But um, you know, I wonder. I always wonder what would have been. Um, be interesting. Maybe I would be a seasoned seasoned vet, and I wouldn't be hosting the show, which I actually love doing. So, getting back to the comments, though, Mitch Hyman, I'm happy being a fierce indie. Besides, the only major I respect is Marvel, and only because of Joe Casada. But this is from knowing him since his days as an inker back in the '90s for Double Impact, which now is basically the company Bubba comes out through, which is Creature Entertainment. But Joe Q has always been a straight shooter and a very cool guy. Joe Casada is a, a real interesting case, right? I mean, Joe Casada broke in as an inker, as an artist. He's an, an amazing artist. 
Um, he ended up doing the uh, the Marvel like Knights line with Daredevil. Uh, I brought Kevin Smith into the fold, um, and I remember uh, those years sales wise, he was the best selling like his books. And these are like second tier books, uh, you know, according to Marvel, Daredevil, Punisher, um, you know, the Marvel Knights line. Um, we're, we're, we're doing just as good, if not better than some of their, their flagship titles like X-Men and, uh, Spider-Man. And he was brought on to be editor in chief. And now he has been the face, uh, of creatively of Marvel since then. So, um, it, it's, it's funny. It, it, there's so many different roots into the comic book industry. There's so many different jobs in the comic book industry. And that actually segues perfectly into a quick little preview of next week. Um, we have, uh, editor Pat Shand. Um, he's an editor and a writer over at Zenoscope Entertainment. Uh, Zenoscope is one of the um, indie comic book companies out there. I've also contributed some work to them as well, too. And uh, we're going to have him on, and we're going to talk about the different jobs um, and how you can kind of go about getting these kind of jobs. Um, Pat actually also chimed in on this um, topic. Um, originally, uh, he had written, if I can bring it up, I mean, not to be the guy who ignores the question, but I think that it's in this backwards market, the way you can establish the sort of staying power that allows a long running indie book is to first be wildly successful at Marvel or DC. Um, you know, it's true. Um, anybody who gets a job at Marvel or DC and makes a name for themselves there has a much better chance of then kind of doing whatever they want to do. Um, so, but the spirit of the question really was would you rather kind of own it yourself or would you work on someone else's creations and be successful there? And uh, for myself, I, I, you know, like I said, I think there was a little glass box when uh, when I worked at Wizard. There was, um, you know, I did some work at Image and, um, you know, Image, that's a great environment where you kind of get to do what you want to do. Um, you know, I had my scripts edited but never for content, just for typos. Um my pages, I worked with Jim Valentino. My, my pages were uh, colored by myself, and then I would send it in to him for approval. Um, and, and really, it was any kind of suggestion from, from him at the time was just how do you make this better, not um, anything creatively-wise. So there is that. Um, we have Heidi Ward. This is something that can only vary greatly from person to person. It depends on what makes them feel successful. Some people want that recognition that comes with being connected to the biggest names, and they want the dough. Some people want the creative control and to know it's completely their vision being put out for the world to see. Uh, couldn't agree more. I would definitely want both. <laughs> Not so much the dough, um, but the recognition. I think uh, that there, there's, um, I talked to my wife about this too, because uh, we do a lot of comic book conventions. Um, she, by the way, came to like one or two and then um, she was kind of like, okay, um, you're working. Um, she thought it was cool at first and, and she loves all that stuff. She loves the anime. She loves the manga. She loves, you know, um, all that stuff. She walked around. I think it was Baltimore was her first convention and she walked around. She checked it out and she said, okay, cool. What else is there? I said, nope, this is it. And I'm behind a table for the next eight hours um, doing sketches and selling books and networking and trying to get my, uh, my, my name out there. Um, she also realized, too, that all the bar hopping afterwards was also networking, just uh, meeting other creators and, uh, and trying to do stuff. So she's like, cool. So my, uh, my slate of comic book conventions, um, she, is, she is more than happy to sit those out and, uh, and let me uh, just kind of do my thing. But, um, you know, the one observation that she made, and, and, and I also made, too, there is fame and then there's comic book fame. And uh, comic book fame is actually the coolest thing in the world. Um, because you get to walk out 
after the show is over, the show is done, you're you're a big deal, you're a semi big deal, um, or you're or you're just trying to break in. There's there's this rush of adrenaline, of excitement, of tiredness, of exhaustion, um, and then you kind of go back to your your normal nine to five or your normal just life in general when it's all over. And uh, and that's kind of a cool thing about comic book fame. Uh, you get to be famous for very small pockets of time, and you get to live your life unlike, say, a famous actor or famous musician or whatever the case is, where you don't get to do it. We have Rusik Ermak just joined. Again, we have people from Russia. We are international. And Sam, the engineer, wanted me to make sure I uh, make sure I express to everyone out there we are being listened to on TalkingAlternative.com. Um, our show is every Friday from 11 to 12. Again, people used to dread Friday. Friday was always the worst day of the week. Now it's their favorite time because they get to listen to my show. Um, we also have uh, Tony Martinetti's nonprofit radio coming up at 1, and that's following 21st Century Entrepreneur, J.C. Maldonado. Um, and uh, so always want to give props out to our fellow Talking Alternative hosts, TalkingAlternative.com. Um Alexa Fox chimed in, uh, the former, meaning I would rather do indie, but I would use their money. Oh, sorry. So I guess the former is not is the first choice. The former is Marvel or DC. I'd use their money to fund the latter myself. Isn't that how everyone is doing it these days? Dave Ryan says, not really. These days, a lot of creators are doing a book at Image, and then Marvel has been scooping them up, hoping that their audience uh, that they've created follows them to a Marvel title. Um, that's a, definitely a good point. And we're definitely going to uh, see that, you know, we see that in everything now. We see that in radio. We see that in um, uh, reality TV shows. We, I mean, we basically, um, the internet has changed things so much to the point where it's expected that you end up with some sort of following before you even make it to the big boys. So that is a, that's a... Um, a good point by Dave Ryan. I appreciate coming in there. Uh, Tyrone Randall says, inner happiness and peace should be the measure. And wherever it gets you there is, is exactly it. Del Roar chimed in on Periscope. Uh, which comic book movie are we looking forward to the most? And uh, he is definitely curious, based on our last week's topic, to know. Um, there's a couple that are coming out this, this year. Deadpool, obviously, coming out next week. Mike Martz thinks it's going to be huge. Guardians of the Galaxy-type huge, which, um, you know, again, I welcome except for the fact of being wrong. I don't like being wrong, but we'll, uh, we'll definitely chime in on that uh, next week because we'll have numbers by the time we're on, on air next week. And we'll see what Pat Shand has to, uh, has to say about this as well, too. He's an editor and a writer over at Zenoscope. Um, we have Superman Batman coming out in a couple weeks. We're going to have a really great show wrapped around that. Uh, I'm going to try to get uh, some really great guests um, to kind of chime in and see what they think about that movie coming out. Um, I personally am actually really looking forward to it. I know Zack Snyder is the king of the movie trailer. At least that's the way I feel about him. I think his movie trailers are outstanding. They always seem to entice. They have they create a mood. Um, the movie might not always deliver. Um, I thought Man of Steel was, was good. I thought Watchmen was okay. I thought 300 was amazing. Um, and I think he'll always kind of be remembered for that. But, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I think there's a lot of cool things. Um, Mike Martz actually touched upon that too, where you know he was a little nervous about that. And to his point, I'm a, I'm a little nervous. I don't know why they felt the need to show the what everything is going to be all at once. Uh, why would you release Doomsday in the in the end of that trailer? That uh, doesn't make sense to me. You don't need to give that away. People know Superman. People know Batman. That's enough to get me in the seat. Um, now I know Doomsday is coming, and I know Lex Luthor is coming. 
um, and, and he's the force bringing it. I guess, I guess the how and the why um, is what uh, the marketing people were kind of thinking. So that's kind of what we're uh, we're doing there. So I want to thank everyone again. I want to thank my guest Mike Martz from AfterShock Comics. AfterShock dot world is the uh, is the website. I've never seen a dot world. Uh, tagline that's pretty cool i don't own aftershockcomics.com or aftershock.com um so uh mike had touched upon that funny thing that aftershock was actually the original imprint that published my book um years before they ended up forming the company so that made for an awkward yet hilarious conversation because we don't sue myself and uh darren sanchez who was the publisher of after hours press um we kind of had a laugh about that because we're all old buddies so i want to thank mike for joining on i want to thank all my periscope peeps we had, uh, we've had some uh, good flurry of uh, users jump on and actually stream us live. I'm going to make sure I hook you guys up to the, uh, to the next week's broadcast. So tune in next week, Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, on TalkingAlternative.com. We're going to talk about the, uh, the indie comic book industry, and we're going to talk about jobs that you can get. So uh, I welcome you guys. Podcast will be available on iTunes on Monday. Secrets of the Sire. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you on a path of consciousness or spirit? Is personal or spiritual empowerment important to you? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant, and I am here to answer your questions and bring you experts in all areas of life to raise your awareness and support you in your evolution. Tune in at my new time, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on www.talkradio.nyc. That's Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.